Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. A solo Mark Daly here this evening. Kevin is uh, not quite back home. He was uh, away with his fiance for the past couple of days and travel arrangements on the way home didn't quite work out as planned. But hey, if you're not, uh, if, if you're travel arrangements don't work out and you're with that special person in your life not necessarily a bad thing so wherever you are on this beautiful planet i hope you're enjoying the last few days of fall or winter spring summer whatever season it is here on the west coast of canada in vancouver bc it's been pretty nice the past couple of days seasonably warm i would say a nice and sunny clear blue skies although it has given way to rain over the past couple of hours and uh, well the the torrential rain we had last Last week is a foreshadowing what's to come, but shouldn't complain. Obviously, uh, there's been some horrific storms on the the, the west coast of the United States. So uh, to all of you that uh, live down there, I hope that things are going well. And I hope that you're all safe uh, and your loved ones as well. Uh, never like to see and, and people suffering, of course, and going through a, such abs- extreme circumstances. So I hope everyone is getting back to normal and I hope you are all well. And, well, what uh, a turnaround we've seen over the past couple of races in the Formula One World Championship. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, before that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complain for a couple of minutes. And I think those of you who, like me, subscribe to the official F1 timing app will certainly understand uh, my sentiments. Not really a big expense. I think uh, it costs something like $36.99 Canadian for a season subscription, so about $30 US. I mean, not a big outlay, but hey, if we keep my Starbucks card uh, going for, <laughs> well, I wouldn't say a week, but uh, should last a week. Should last a lot longer than a week, but I guess uh, that's an issue I have to sort out on my own. But anyhow, they, they introduced, rolled out a new version of the app, and boy, <laughs> talk about getting it all wrong. First of all, uh, being here on the West Coast uh, makes it pretty inconvenient to watch the majority of the, the races on the Formula One calendar live. Obviously, the, the U.S. and Canadian, Mexican, Brazilian Grand Prix, they, those all work out pretty good, as do some of the Asian races. Uh, sometimes we can see those late on a Saturday night or early into Sunday morning. And I'm one of those people that I can pull an all-nighter, but you know, getting up early, especially on a Sunday, guys, it's not going to happen. Anyways, when I saw that the, uh, the, the app had been updated, first of all, it was pretty ridiculous. I had to scroll through and find out what the results for the race were before I could actually find where I could play the replay. And once I had my DVR up and running, I uh, pressed uh, play like I would normally do. 
to just be greeted by several minutes of basically dead air <laughs> and, and no real way to fast forward or skip ahead uh, to, to when the race was actually going. And I think I gave up, <clears throat> excuse me, about three laps into the race, and that was somewhat involuntary. I tried to get it as close as I could to sinking it to, to the, the action on the track. But ultimately, the, the, the app crashed, and it's pretty crap, to be quite honest. Uh, I sent a barrage of tweets off to at F1 Help. To their credit, uh, they did respond, and uh, really, I think uh, even even though most of my comments were quite negative, they uh, did uh, did say that they appreciated both the positive and negative feedback. I don't really know what was positive in my my tirade, my mini rant there, my my little Twitter tantrum, if you want to call it that. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of unnecessary things there. I, I really liked the information that it had on uh, before, but uh, just I, I found it it was clumsy. The telemetry stuff, yeah, I guess that's kind of cool, but you know, I. I th- I found it a little bit too gimmicky. They've come back, and uh, it was even, I, I believe, on motorsport.com uh, on Monday morning, just uh, the amount of fans that were uh, displeased with the new one uh, timing app. But uh, they said that they are looking to improve it, and uh, they're not going to roll it back because I guess it's all integrated into whatever they're doing now. And it looks nice, but definitely not a very, very good app. And I'm, you know, I'm very disappointed. I, I like being able to have the, the times up. I mean, if you're a, a real F1 nerd and you like that sort of stuff like I do, it really adds something to watching qualifying, watching the races. So, so to, to really lose out on the, on all the functionality and all the, the data that it would have really, I think, uh, took away, uh, from the, uh, the experience and what was basically a, a pretty boring race at the, well, at the front of the grid there, front of the pack anyways, really, uh, <laughs> needed something to, to keep it going, but plenty of action further back in the, uh, third, the race order, but let's talk about the big news. Lewis Hamilton dominant in in qualifying in the race was never really any doubt that uh, that anybody was really going to catch him lewis uh, set uh, what uh, total wolf called one of the most epic laps or best laps something to that effect that he'd ever seen in his entire life <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't know what's uh, in the area here in the studio, but uh, my poor throat's all dry. But uh, Lewis setting just a, a very impressive 136.015 as his uh, qualifying lap uh, to take a pole position. And uh, he be- uh, beat out Max Verstappen. Somewhat surprisingly uh, that uh, that Max had so much uh, pace around there. He set a time of 136.334, which was about two and a half hundredths, or sorry, two and a half tenths in front of uh, Sebastian Vettel in the Ferrari who uh, set a 136.628, and he was about a tenth, uh, not quite a tenth, ahead of Valtteri Bottas in the second Mercedes, who set uh, a time of 136.702. But once the lights turned green, uh, there wasn't really any doubt uh, Lewis got out in front, and even though uh, the uh, Red Bull tried to, the the undercut didn't really uh, work in the end, and, and Lewis comfortably was able to uh, to fend off uh, any challenges uh, from Verstappen. Oh, there was that incident in the middle of the race when uh, Roman Grosjean went uh, colorblind or was not unable to focus on the blue flags. Uh, but we'll get to that uh, in, uh, in a few minutes. But anyways, I mean, if you look at the Drivers' Championship now, Lewis Hamilton now 281 points. So that's 40 points ahead of uh, Sebastian Vettel, who has uh, 241. And that's the as big as the gap has been all year and it really felt to me like one of those milestone moments i know we have what six races left in the year now 
But Sebastian Vettel is going to need all sorts of uh, help. Uh, I think Adrian Newey at uh, at Red Bull said that uh, it's going to be damn hard was the quote that he used for for Seb to win the title. And it's true. And Sebastian Vettel, I hate to say it, has really squandered the opportunity to win the the, the world championship uh, this year. Uh, of course, it's not over until it's over. And a, a lot can happen between here and Abu Dhabi at uh, the end of uh, November. But realistically, unless we see mechanical problems like Mercedes had in Austria, which is a rarity. I mean, they've been pretty bulletproof over the years and haven't had uh, too many races where they've had uh, issues like that. Vettel's really going to see this as possibly as a season uh, that got away. And uh, even uh, Lewis was saying this uh, this week that uh, he's uh, proud uh, that uh, he's not making the errors that uh, Sebastian Vettel has been doing uh, over this year. And I mean, if you look at the errors he made when he tried to nab the lead from uh, Valtteri Bottas at uh, Baku earlier in the year and just uh, cooked it, went too far into the corner, dropped a couple of places, messed up his tires, points dropped there. There was a first corner incident at Paul Ricard at the French Grand Prix at the beginning of the summer. He gets uh, hit with a five-second uh, penalty or whatever it was after he clashed with Valtteri Bottas, which was uh, an incident that was his own fault. And uh, not only did he have the, uh, the, the, the penalty for that, but also he had to uh, limp all the way around the entire length of the track uh, to replace a, a damaged front wing. And then there was uh, the, uh, the, the the incident that he had sliding off in the rain at the German Grand Prix. And there was a, a really interesting um, article on uh, ESPN, uh, and uh, they were just talking about what that um, uh, the world championship should look like right now had Vettel not made all these uh, lapses and all these errors uh, that, that he has throughout this year, the years. And he really would be on the, the verge of a fifth world title rather than uh, Lewis Hamilton. And uh, if that's what it turns out to be, and I said it months ago, I said that I thought that uh, Lewis will win this year just because of the fact that he does not make the errors that Sebastian Vettel does. And I, I really find it uh, amazing at times that when we see Vettel, who's a four-time world champion himself, which is obviously a huge achievement, as I'm sure that uh, <laughs> other multiple world champions will tell you, Lewis, uh, one of them, of course. But the the mental mistakes that uh, that he makes is just, it's surprising to me. And especially this year when the Ferrari has gotten better. And I mean, it is the better car. The, the SF71H is better than the Mercedes W09. And uh, Vettel obviously has had the car to win a world champion this year, but he has just not been able to to summon the mental strength, the mental fortitude, the focus, whatever you want to call it. Whereas Lewis just is able to drive flawlessly at times. He's able to just race like um, you expect a four-time world champion. And I think... Uh, <clears throat> Obviously, that is what's going to be the difference at the end of the year. Uh, it's not so much a sprint. Obviously, 21 races is very much a, a marathon. And uh, there's been some races this year that uh, Ferrari have been stronger than uh, Mercedes, obviously. And it really looked like coming back from the, the, the summer break that uh, Ferrari obviously had struggled. To, I mean, Vettel, of course, crashed out in Germany. And then Hamilton won at Hungary. And there was that, uh, you know, Vettel wasn't able to attack and try and win that uh, that, that race because he got... Uh, they had that bad pit stop and they got stuck behind Bottas uh, for laps, what was it, about 15, 20 laps, something, I can't remember exactly, but it was a lot. And 
uh, you know, th- th- that gap was already starting to grow. Then we come back after the three-week summer break in August, go to Spa, Belgium, and uh, Vettel was dominant there. And then, of course, you go to Italy after that, and that's another one of those moments, uh, you know, just uh, going into the chicane. You're only a third of their quarter of the way around the, 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 the lap at Monza, around the track, and you're on the first lap, clashes with Hamilton. That um, that should have been one that uh, he should have conceded. If you're looking back, and I know that when you're, you have the benefit of sitting at home, you're watching, you're sitting in the comfort uh, of your own living room, <laughs> you know, like I am. It's one thing to say, oh yeah, you know, Seb, you should have uh, conceded uh, that, that place to Lewis and waited to fight back. And they had the pace. They, uh, they, they certainly should have been able to, uh, to, to pass Lewis. But, uh, afterwards, it was a huge moral victory for, for Mercedes and, uh, for Lewis Hamilton to win at Monza. And obviously that, uh, that gap grew again because well, what, where did Seb finished that race fourth, whatever it was. And then again, this week, uh, this past weekend in uh, Singapore just wasn't able to close that gap at all. And uh, what was in 2016 when uh, Lewis started somewhat slowly and Nico Rosberg uh, won the first several races and started very strong. What was that that year after about half a dozen, seven races, maybe not that many it was something like what, 43 points. And it took Lewis a long time to really claw his way back into the fight for the championship there. And then by the time he got down to the past half dozen races, Lewis still had uh, had a chance. But when uh, his engine blew in Malaysia, that was pretty much one of those milestone moments that really kind of put the, I wouldn't say the, the, the championship out of reach for Lewis, but it definitely made it a little bit more difficult than it already was. It was a definitely a advantage Rosberg. And, and and now it is very much advantage Lewis Hamilton. It's his championship to lose. And uh, I know we still have uh, about two and a half months to go in the season, but if he drives the way that he's driving, just keeps his nose clean and um, just drives smart and drives quick, it's uh, it's going to be his. And, uh, and Vettel's going to have to push even uh, harder. And uh, that, that sort of leads me to another point. That strategy that they went going for the, the, the very soft tires uh, for their first pit stop made no sense uh, considering everybody was going on to the harder compounds. And uh, Vettel, of course, he just one-stopped it. But just going, like, like, oh, it was pretty obvious that uh, if he went in for second tire stop that he would just uh, drop further back. So it was basically um, maximize what you could get. And in the latter portions of the, the race, he was sort of hanging on there for quite a long time, just only a couple of seconds behind Max Verstappen. But in the last, what was it, about maybe dozen... 15 laps or so, he started to, to, to drop off. And in the last, well, <laughs> by the time it was all said and done, I think he was about half a minute behind Lewis Hamilton. So, I mean, it was very much just bring the car home in one piece. And uh, there was probably nothing left in those tires at that point. But not a brilliant strategy, considering that a couple of laps later, his t- teammate Kimi Raikkonen goes in and he opts for the, the the harder compound tires, which saw him to to the rest of the race. But he didn't really have much pace either, which was uh, surprising. And uh, <clears throat> what used to be a uh, quote unquote bogey circuit for Mercedes uh, over the past couple of years turned into a, a huge triumph for them, and uh, it's kind of become a bogey circuit if you want to use uh, Toto's uh, terminology for uh, Ferrari. Obviously, last year there was the the Ferrari sandwich with the the, the Red Bull meat in the middle of poor Max Verstappen when uh, Raikkonen and uh, Vettel took each other out on the the first lap. Probably more Vettel's fault if I remember correctly. 
and that was an easy win for Lewis last year. I mean, he was uh, basically unchallenged this year. Uh, Verstappen just wasn't uh, really able to get close enough to to really challenge him. And I guess now's as good a time as any to to discuss that whole thing with uh, with uh, Roman Grosjean, who was scrapping for position and just uh, he was. They were obviously battling, and it came over the race radio uh, for both uh, Hamilton and uh, Max Verstappen that the cars in front of them were uh, jockeying for position. I think, what was it, Hulkenberg and Grosjean? I can't remember if it was Hulkenberg in front of them. Anyways, Rogro kind of weaving all over the place, trying to look for a place to pass, and just wasn't able to get it uh, done. And Lewis had to back off a couple of times. And Max, who was probably two to three seconds uh, behind at that time, maybe a little bit uh, further back, maybe it was three and a half, four, whatever it was, was literally able to close up within uh, several meters off the back of uh, Lewis Hamilton's car. And, uh, well, knowing Max, I mean, he'll look for it. If he sees half an opening, he's going to go for it. Uh, Lewis was able to uh, kind of make a couple of defensive man- maneuvers here and there. And uh, Grosjean earned a, a five-second uh, penalty in the end. And I don't know about you, but uh, you guys, in I think we've all gone through it when you see somebody at your job that's kind of like struggling and it just kind of, you get that feeling that they're just kind of like living on borrowed time and then one one of these day, one day the guy just doesn't show up anymore and the boss is like yeah you know I had to let him go you're not really all that surprised <laughs> i'm getting that same feeling for roman grosjean i mean he's had his kick at the can in formula 1 and uh, of course this year he's at uh, quite a few own goal moments if you want to use some soccer terminology there was uh, spain where he spun out on the first lap and lit up the tires and uh, did the pirouette in the middle of uh, what was it turn 3 and then took out what was it it was a Gasly and Hulkenberg, if I remember correctly. That was one moment. There was a crashing behind the safety car. Behind the safety car, of all things. Just bizarre. Uh, trying to keep his tires uh, warm at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And, well, that, that's just two of them that uh, <laughs> come to uh, come to, to, to mind. Uh, you know, just uh, not really keeping pace to the, the, the performances that his uh, teammate Kevin uh, Kevin Magnuson's been, uh, been having. So, not a great year. And like I say, I mean, he's... Uh, he's been around he's had his chances in formula one and there's some good guys out there that uh, that don't necessarily have a, a seat for next year so it'll be interesting to see what Haas uh, decide to do for for next year uh, hopefully that kevin magnuson is, is back with them seems to be a good situation for him he's i think he's struggled over the past couple of races but definitely i think he's uh, delivering more uh, than than roman grosjean so we'll wait and see if uh, rogro is uh, is going to 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 be back driving for Haas or anywhere else because there really isn't too many other options uh, for 2019 uh, that, uh, well, in the, the way of race seats at any rate. And, uh, well, if he if he loses his seat as Haas, he could very well be uh, up a creek without a paddle and could be looking in from the outside for next uh, next year. But I guess one of the big talking points, of course, was um, Force India and uh, Sergio Perez, who had just uh, an awful race outing. Started right in the first lap when he had a, a clash in turn three with his um, soon-to-be former teammate, Esteban Ocon, another guy that uh, a lot of people have said should be racing in Formula One next year. And uh, when they went into the corner, it was... 
at first it kind of looked like a, a 50-50 incident. I'm kind of, I guess that's kind of fair to call it that because the, the stewards decided that no uh, further uh, action was warranted. I believe they went into the corner. There was a bit of an opening. Uh, Marcus Erickson, I think, was on the inside, uh, maybe just a little bit behind uh, Sergio Perez. Ocon was, uh, well, uh, Perez was in the middle. Ocon was on the other side. He tried to get around it, but it really looked like uh, to me that um, that Perez uh, really put the squeeze on him. He immediately came on the race radio and said something to the effect of, oh, well, you know, sorry about that, guys. I had literally no room, but seems to me if you look at it, um, there seems to be more room than um, than I think maybe he was aware of. Of course, uh, when you're kind of in the heat of the moment, you're in the cockpit there and, you know, you've got 19 other Formula One cars around you. Maybe <laughs> that's not going to be the first thing that you pick up on. But certainly from the uh, the, the replays that I've looked at, uh, it, it really looks like he put the squeeze on O'Call. And we've seen these guys clash over the uh, over the past couple of years. And uh, I, I think definitely there's no love lost uh, between the two of them, especially what with Perez sticking around for next year and Esteban Ocon, despite, uh, you know, having a very good uh, run in Formula One in uh, some of the lower teams over the past couple of years, Manor and Force India. I mean, Force India has been pretty good. Uh, they, they struggled, obviously, earlier this year until just recent times when uh, uh, they went into administration and uh, Lawrence Stroll and his consortium were able to buy out the team and they were finally able to get some cash flow and you immediately saw them uh, rise back up through the grid uh, back to where they, they should be or historically have been over the past couple of years. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know, 50-50, I guess uh, you could call it that. It just never looks good when you take out your teammate or two. if you want to go the 50-50 route, if uh, the two guys in the same t- team crash into each other and uh, of course he had to he ended up right at the back of the pack but the the big talking point was uh, later on the race he was uh, Perez that is was uh, stuck behind Sergey Sorotkin who was a bit of a mobile chicane in the uh, extremely slow Williams and uh, I found it really kind of interesting that uh, Ocon bitching over the race radio. Oh, Charlie, you know, Charlie Whiting, that is, should be doing something about this. But it wasn't like he was close enough to to make the pass. He wasn't really pushing to try to make the pass. He was a second or two behind and just uh, kind of sitting there and just, um, I, I know it's difficult to pass in those cars, but he wasn't really uh, pressing the issue. And I thought that eventually when the other cars, uh, you know, when that situation kind of resolved itself, and more on that in a second, the other guys that were uh, were, were behind Peru, Perez uh, had an easier time of getting around uh, Sorotkin, but he might have had damage to his own car at that point. But Perez was able to to pass him and then uh, duly turned into him. I mean, it wasn't like he passed him and then slammed the door and took uh, Sorotkin's uh, front wing off. He like pulled into him into what was a very similar. It reminded me a lot of Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton at Baku last year, but that was behind the relatively, and of course is a, <laughs> a kind of interesting, the uh, behind the, the slower speeds of the safety car, which is, I guess, kind of a relative term, but uh, this was at full racing speed. And to me, it really looked like he turned in and, uh, on Sorotkin. He uh, he said that, uh, oh no, he didn't do it on purpose, but you could tell he was pissed. So, um, you know, the way that uh, he sort of explained it off, you know, to be quite honest and, and part my friend, you know, I'm calling bullshit. Uh, I think that uh, he crashed into Sorotkin on purpose. And uh, well, I don't know if about uh, getting a ban would be, uh, which is a lot what a lot of people have uh, been calling for. I think definitely he should have been uh, black flagged, you know, go to be made to, to sit in the, uh, the the Formula One naughty seat and then uh, go back and deal with his team. Because, uh, you know, it, they were probably good for a couple of uh, points. Uh, I think that they would probably would have finished in the top 10. 
and uh you know Perez and just I don't know <laughs> his uh he just saw red he just uh could not uh I don't know just let uh, anger and frustration get uh, the the best of him and maybe that uh that uh, situation that he's had with Esteban Ocon uh, over the years it seems like uh, those two definitely do not have any love lost uh, between them so Points left on the table for Force India and uh, and very disappointing to see. So, well, what else is there? Yeah, well, did you guys see the 2021 concept cars that uh, that were released by Formula One? It's sort of a, an idea of what the cars could look like under the new regulations that will come into effect a, a couple of years from now. And boy, do they look awesome. Uh, Lewis Hamilton said that uh, if that's what the cars are going to look like, then he'll definitely uh, would like to be racing in Formula One in 2021. And uh, they look pretty darn cool, to be quite uh, quite honest. Whether or not uh, you get uh, those cars look like that, in reality, of course, the FIA and Formula One, they will develop the uh, the, the rules and the regulations, and then it's uh, up to the teams to, to build and design their cars within those rules and regulations. And uh, at least uh, Force India was saying that uh, when it comes to what the final and finished uh, product looks like will be very different from the uh, the, the, the prototype, but uh, they, they look cool. They look uh, very... Uh, sleek. They look very streamlined. They look really aggressive, and uh, they they just look fast, <laughs> even in an artist rendering. So uh, who knows? Uh, to, it, it's definitely a work in progress. But uh, again, like uh, we were talking here on the podcast uh, several weeks ago, very interesting and very promising to hear that uh, a lot of the stakeholders, especially the teams, are are cooperating and uh, and working with uh, Formula One's governing body and with the uh, commercial rights holder to to get this done, which is still, like I say, unheard of. It's always been like a, a cold war. A lot of, uh, uh, you know, not much trust between the teams and uh, quite often uh, hostility and threats of uh, different teams at different times wanting to pull out and leave the sport uh, and engine manufacturers too, to pull out and uh, leave the sport uh, altogether. To, so to see them working together is uh, a... <laughs> It's uh, it's refreshing and it's good, and uh, I'd like to see that uh, continue well into the future. So as we start to wind things down here, and uh, before I dim the lights in the studio, uh, well, again the uh, the the battle in uh, Formula One will continue, uh, not so far in the distant future at the Russian Grand Prix at the Sochi Autodrome, and well. I'm not a fan of the track there. It's, uh, yeah, I just, I don't really like it. But, hey, I mean, Formula One will be back, and that's uh, the the main thing. So I'm going to close on a bit of a different note. Uh, On the beginning, obviously, I was uh, complaining about the F1 timing app. But uh, on the flip side, uh, as I had said a couple of weeks ago, F1 TV is finally available uh, here in Canada, and I signed up for a a subscription uh, as soon as it was. And I'm really enjoying going through the the archives. Uh, I, I hope... Hope, like they say, that they will be adding more content, especially to the archive. I mean, hey, they got like what almost seventy something years of uh, of content going all the way back to to 1950. So you have um, a, a lot of full races, a lot of extended highlights, and uh, I hope at one point it becomes like a Netflix, if you will, of like a Formula One, where you can basically watch race one to race 16 or 20, 21, whatever it is, from be- beginning to end. Uh, I watched the 26. 16 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix uh, was it the the week before last and uh, it was still just as 
intense to watch that, especially those last several laps when Lewis was uh, slowing down and trying to back Nico Rosberg into Sebastian Vettel and to, to Max Verstappen and uh, try to <laughs> he'll ruin his race and have him uh, move back down through the order so he could win uh, the, the world championship that year. But uh, even uh, 2016, 2017, it's not full seasons. You got quite a few full races, then a lot of extended highlights. And I hope that at some point they'll put all of the races up there. It'd be uh, fantastic. But uh, earlier tonight, I was uh, watching a race that I, I remember quite well. And I know this is going to date me uh, a little bit, but I was young. I'll go, I'll, get, I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> I was quite young. I was still a young fella when uh, when this race happened. I'm talking about the 1989 Brazil, Brazilian Grand Prix, and that was uh, Nigel Mansell's very first race for the Scuderia. Yeah, I'm talking about uh, the, his first race for Ferrari. And what was it? The Ferrari 640, a V12. Just loved hearing that car screaming as it went around the track at uh, Rio de Janeiro there. And uh, the, the Williams with a V10 Renault, and then uh, one of my favorite cars of all time, uh, Senna and Prost in the McLaren MP4-6 with a V10 Honda in the back. The cars look and sound great. The Williams, not so much that year, uh, but definitely the Ferrari and, uh, and and the McLaren, two beautiful, beautiful cars. And Nigel uh, went on to, to win that race. And uh, of course, uh, those of you who were fortunate enough to watch Nigel Mansell in his prime, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was as good as any of them on his day, and is a, a very quick and sometimes aggressive, uh, if maybe not the most talented driver compared to maybe your Senna's and Prosts of uh, the the world, but still a very fast guy. And of course, uh, he managed to win his one and only World Championship in 1992. After coming oh so very close six years earlier in 1986, only to suffer a tire puncture, well, <laughs> a complete tire blowout on a long uh, straight at uh, Adelaide at the the Australian Grand Prix that year. The very I think it was the very final race of that year. And I was a, a big Nigel fan back in the day, and I was crushed uh, when when he wasn't able to win it then, even as a as a young kid, and uh, was delighted several years later when he finally managed to win his uh, first world championship, his only world championship, like I say, in 1992. And uh, <laughs> I was thinking too uh, about world championships, and I was kind of thinking again about uh, the situation that we have in Formula One this year. I was like, oh God, anybody but Lewis this year. I mean, it's been all Mercedes. And nothing against Lewis. I mean, if he wins it, he wins it. I mean, the guy's obviously the one of the best drivers uh, of this generation and one of the best drivers of all time. And I mean, um, you, you just don't become a four-time world champion just by accident. I mean, he is one of the best, no doubt about it. But I was thinking to myself, I should not complain about the dominance of Lewis Hamilton and uh, Mercedes over the past several years. When I was a huge Michael Schumacher fan, <laughs> when he was at uh, at Ferrari in the late 90s and the early 2000s. So uh, not wanting to look like a hypocrite, I think I'll just, uh, I'll let this one play out. I just wanted to see somebody uh, really give uh, uh, Lewis and Mercedes a run for their money this year. Obviously, Vettel's been able to do that. And then I guess, you know, <laughs> that uh, argument, wanting somebody else other than Lewis to win it this year, doesn't really work that well if, uh, you know, you want to cheer for Sebastian Vettel, because of course he won four in a row. <laughs> as well so maybe uh 
maybe we look to the future now. Maybe we look to like guys uh, or guys like Max and Charles and who knows, maybe uh, Ricardo and Renault will be able to to put in uh, a fight and, and challenge for something uh, at the at the top there if they can get their act uh, together and, and, and challenge Red Bull and Ferrari and Mercedes. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, yeah, no, just going back to the F1 TV, definitely very cool. And uh, another one that I was able to watch was a very extended interview uh, with Nicky Lauda. I, I guess it looked like it had been filmed a couple of years ago, but uh, uh, really cool and really insightful to, to hear about uh, his experiences, not just as a Formula One driver, but uh, also in his life and everything that really sort of led up to him getting into motor racing and some of the uh, the roadblocks that, that he had to get uh, into Formula One and how the, his sponsorship was ultimately block, uh, blocked by his bank uh, because I think, believe it was his grandfather sat on the board and they were his family were against him becoming a Formula One driver, just a racing car dri- driver in general. So definitely if you, you love Formula One and if you listen to this podcast, uh, I'm sure you probably do love Formula One if you can spare the uh, the, the, the money and obviously the time. You know, because I always say that uh, to, to people say, oh, are you a Formula One fan? I said, oh, yeah, well, fan, that's kind of maybe a, a little bit of an understatement. It's a, it's a bit of a, it's more than that. It's a, it's an obsession, a lifestyle, if you want to call it that. Obviously, if I'm not here talking about Formula One, I'm reading about it. <laughs> I'm watching it. I'm whatever. <laughs> Something to do with Formula One is, uh, is usually what I do in my spare time. That in soccer, a lot of you guys know that I'm a big soccer guy, obviously uh, involved in soccer media for Major League Soccer and the Canadian Soccer Association, a lot of that sort of stuff. So between soccer and Formula One, that's basically my two biggest passions, uh, my, my two biggest interests away from uh, work and family. And that's uh, really what uh, keeps me going. So loving F1 TV. But anyways, uh, I've rambled enough for uh, you know the, the the past half an hour or so. Look forward to uh, next week and uh, the the Russian Grand Prix, even though it's the, the somewhat bland Sochi Autodrome. Anyways, uh, until then, uh, you know, do us a favor. We'd really appreciate it if you could uh, rate and review this podcast wherever you uh, you download uh, your, and get your podcast from. And of course, uh, we can write you a note if you have to lie, you know, just to ease the conscience uh, <laughs> and give us a five star review and uh, and rating. We'd really appreciate it. it helps us uh, grow the show and uh, numbers are up this year. So wherever you're listening and uh, and enjoying this podcast, uh, on behalf of myself and my co-host Kevin Laramie, thank you so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it, and we love talking Formula One, and uh, we, you know, letting you guys enjoy it along with us each and uh, every week. Anyways, uh, if you want to get in touch, you can uh, always send us an email: scuderia pod. Sorry, scuderia F1 pod. Should know this: scuderia F1 pod at gmail.com or tweet us at scuderia F1 pod. And that's it. That's a wrap. Enjoy the rest of your week, guys. We'll catch up you again after the weekend. And until then, this is Mark Daly on behalf of Kevin Laramie. My co-host signing off, and until next time, have a great F1. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com. Spanish. 
space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?